Hello and welcome to the Stand Up Tragedy Podcast. My name's Dave and I'm your host. Today's episode is Act Two from the Greek tragedy show that we did at the Dog Star in Brixton in June. Our third act, The Human Loire, was just too damn visual to bring to you as part of our audio experience, but was really amazing and hilarious and was hammering grapes into Justin Bieber's face, which I think you'll agree is a great image, and at least I get to give you that now. Stand Up Tragedy are going up to the Edinburgh Festival and we need your help to take the tragedy to Scotland. So go over to our crowdfunding campaign, which you can find at bit.ly forward slash tragic fringe. Over there, you'll see what perks we're offering you if you want to fund our campaign. Please consider it. There's some really great perks that we'll give you in exchange. And if you've been enjoying our free podcast, if you've been enjoying the tragedy, help me to make more tragedy and get involved over there. We're going to be in Edinburgh from the 2nd to the 24th of August at the Banshee Labyrinth as part of the PBH Free Fringe. So if you're up in Edinburgh, come and see us there. We're going to have a different lineup every single night and we've got some really great acts already booked. Our next live show, our last one before Edinburgh, is on the 9th of July at the Black Heart in Camden. It's a crossover show with Kit Lovelace's amazing storytelling night, Romantic Misadventure. So it's two times the melancholy. If you want to buy tickets for that for £5, which is nice and cheap, you can do it through our crowdfunding campaign, which, as I said earlier, is at bit dot lee forward slash tragic fringe come cry with me and now here's today's episode act two of greek tragedy hello everybody wow look at this so uh this, this show was uh, timeout's critics choice today and we were featured in the uh top 10 uh, storytelling nights in the country a couple of months ago in the guardian so i think we can see the kind of audiences you get if you get media publicity and um, so hopefully we're going to sound uh, like that kind of an audience tonight because this is a podcast so at least there is that so welcome to stand up tragedy my name's dave and i'm your host uh, what we do at stand up tragedy is we stand up and we do tragedy uh, it's a variety night, it has music, it has comedy, it has spoken words, tonight it has theatre. It's a, an excellent lineup that we've got of tragic variety tonight. Um, I like to flag up though that as tonight is a tragedy, people may go to dark places, you should be aware of that. Um, as I guess we should always be aware that we may go to dark places in our lives. Um, but tonight it's pretty guaranteed. Right, Jess, welcome back to Act 2 Stand Up Tragedy. I'm going to talk a little bit now about Oedipus because uh, I feel he needs to be kind of spoken for. I want to reclaim him basically. I want to reclaim Oedipus for like the original myth because it's much more interesting than what Freud did. You could say I'm the logical person to be reclaiming uh, the Oedipal myth. Uh, when I was 13 years old, my mum told me that the birth of her second child was the most sexual experience she'd ever had in her life. Uh, and I am her second child, so it was even more disturbing in that moment. 
Um, so yeah, obviously, I were, you know, when I heard of the Oedipal complex, I thought, you know, well, I don't really, I don't, didn't, don't, I didn't know what to think. But uh, <laughs> then I read the myths, and they're much better. So uh, yeah. So the actual narrative of uh, Oedipus is uh, it's not just it's not about really the desire to kill your dad and fuck your mother. Uh, it's the desire to avoid doing that, uh, which I can definitely be down with as a kind of <laughs> project in life. Um, Oedipus's dad is told that his son is going to kill him, right? So to avoid that, he leaves his baby out with cut feet to bleed to death uh, in the streets to die. Um, and in trying to escape this destiny, he ends up fulfilling it. That's going to be a theme. Uh, here. Oedipus is found and he's given to different parents. Neither father or son uh, know of what's, you know, what that, that's happened. Nobody knows. His father doesn't know that he's still alive. Someone tells Oedipus that he's adopted. He doesn't believe them. And he asks his adopted parents. They lie, say, no, you're not adopted. So he's like, oh, all right, fine, good. But uh, he's still a bit concerned about it. So he goes down to the oracle uh, and the oracle says, you're going to murder your father and marry your mother. Um, so he resolves to, to, to go as far away from his mother and father as he thinks uh, as possible. Um, and he meets his father on the crossroads, as you do, his real father. And uh, he ends up killing him in an argument about who should cross the road first, which doesn't seem to be a legitimate reason to kill anyone, uh, whether they're going to potentially be your father or not. That would be my, my general note for it. Oedipus here, uh, in trying to escape this destiny, he ends up fulfilling it, you see. Uh, he solves the riddle of the Sphinx, uh, and in return, he is married to the dead king's wife uh, and given a crown. Uh, so pretty cool to be solving Sphinx uh, riddles. I wonder how many of our politicians uh, have been solving Sphinx riddles. Not very many, uh, but then I guess none of them are married to their mothers. Uh, <laughs> So, we, so we know, as, we, as far as we know, I mean, as this myth goes, proves, it's very easy to accidentally marry your mother. Um, even then, though, the, the irony persists here because uh, he doesn't know that he's killed his father and he only discovers that he did through investigating who killed the king. So he's investigating the murder and it's he's the murderer, which, uh, which we know from almost, like, horror movies and uh, it's a big trope really in our, in, our, in our Hollywood movies I think these days that the killer turns out to be the guy that's investigating it all done back then uh, so when, they do, when he does find out he blinds himself remember I said earlier that not everyone decides to kill themselves he doesn't kill himself he blinds himself or is blinded depending on which version of the story we go with because um, that's the thing yeah sometimes the tragedy is to live on knowing you have made the mistakes knowing that every action that you did to avoid something only made it happen more, right? And now, like, that speaks to me about the root of what's important about tragedy in general and Greek tragedy specifically. Like, I'm, we'll, people are nodding in the, in the audience, right? But that's a, you know, we all know that feeling a little bit, uh, at least sometimes in our lives. And it's not a nice feeling, but it's good to explore it and look at how we could maybe change ourselves to do something differently. He's much more interesting in the original Greek tragedy, I think you'll all agree, than this reduction that Freud gave uh, by trying to crowbar it into his theories because he himself, in my view, was particularly uh, obsessed with those areas. Though I am not saying that he wasn't slightly onto something a little bit. 
I do think he is slightly onto something a little bit, but not quite as much as he and history has decided. Uh, as Sophocles, who I mentioned earlier, says, uh, the keenest sorrow is to recognize ourselves as the sole cause of all our adversities. So whether that's what Freud was trying to do or whether that's what Greek tragedy is all about, that's the thing. Recognizing ourselves, seeing what's in ourselves, but hopefully working out how to stop ourselves from being the cause of all of our own adversities. Did I mention I decided to go freelance at a ridiculously stupid time in my life? (laughs) So, on that note, I'm going to introduce our next act. Uh, I like to introduce acts with completely inappropriate, uh, in a, in completely inpro- inappropriate ways, and I'm continuing to do so tonight, it seems. Um, she's going up to Edinburgh. She's doing two shows for her sins, uh, which is a great thing. Uh, the Uke of Edinburgh Awards uh, she's going to do, which I performed at last year. Uh, did a tragic song about computer games and discovered that people don't know what platform games are. Um, and uh, Yeah, I know. I know. So you have to actually explain that. People who are intending to do material on platform games, you have to explain it. So there you go. You learned something tonight. Anyway, um, and she's also doing her show, Tricity Vogue, Songs for the swing- for Swinging Ukuleles. You can find her at www.tricityvogue.com, which, again, suggests that she's going to be called Tricity Vogue! <laughs> Cheers. Hello. Um, I, um, I, don't, I don't normally do comedy, which means that doing a night called stand-up tragedy for me is not weird because of the lack of comedy, but because I've got to do stand-up. <laughs> um, but I'm not going to do stand-up. I'm just going to whip my instrument out instead. So here's the backstory. Um, I've been doing this show called the Uke of Edinburgh Awards uh, at my ukulele cabaret in Edinburgh for four years. And the Uke of Edinburgh Awards basically is, a, is the most unbelievably prestigious award at the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, and um, it's usually fairly random who wins and who doesn't because it's based on three random audience members that get to vote. Um, but um, on one occasion, um, uh, a, a burlesque clown by the name of Audacity Chutzpah won. Uh, and... Uh, and the prize of winning the Ukulele Award is that you get to play a golden ukulele that I wear on my head uh, in front of the audience. Um, but the uh, secondary prize is that um, one year I made the foolish error of, of giving the secondary prize of you got to choose a subject for me to write a song about. And I had 24 hours to write the song and I had to perform it the following night. So I dropped that last year um, for obvious reasons. But... Um, this is the song that Audacity Chutzpah commissioned me to write when she won the Uke of Edinburgh Awards uh, because she has a secret double life. By night, she is a burlesque clown. By day, she is a goat farmer <laughs> in uh, a little farm near Glastonbury, and she's very fond of goats. So she asked me to write her a song about goats. And I went on Wikipedia and found out that tragedy mean, originally meant goat song. So I wrote the goat song tragedy. Ah, and this is it. I am a tragic goat. This is my tale of woe. I met my sorry. 
magic flow that led me to my doom. I long to be admired. I did not care by Tying a goat in nicely with Helen of Troy there. You see what I did? Yeah, continuity. So when the high priest came to seek a poet's prize, I ran in haste to be the first before his eyes. I tossed my head with pride when that picked out me. I did not understand my herdmate's sympathy. I had my dream at last. To Athens I did go, and on the theatre stage, full glory did I know. Along the do one that I know in that case um, and this is um, I kind of I, I kind of really enjoyed the, the Helen of Troy from Helen of Troy's point of view story um, and that's something I like to do quite a lot um, exploring femme fatales from a femme fatale point of view and turning the tables a little bit um, this is a song that I originally wrote as a gift for a drag queen uh, a Belgian drag queen in fact, the star of Belgium's Got Talent, who made it to the semi-finals until he was knocked out by a 15-year-old with a mono brow. Uh, at least it wasn't a dog, that's what I said to him. Uh, but um, So Peggy Lee Cooper, um, who uh, is a very wonderful Belgian drag queen friend of mine, um, basically invited me over for his birthday in, uh, in Liège uh, in, in Belgium. And so I, I wrote him a song as a present. Uh, her a song as a present, 
um, which she then translated into French and made sound very pretty sexy and tragic, and added uh, cello, uh, which really made it, but I haven't got the cello, so you'll just have to imagine that bit. Um, and also, I'm going to sing it you in English, which will be slightly less exotic. Um, the other thing, of course, that I realised after writing this song for, for someone else was that there were elements of it which were a little closer to the bone than perhaps I cared to admit. Um, this one goes out to anyone who's ever felt like they got the, uh, the sticky end of the stick after a romantic encounter. It does have a sing-along chorus. Um, because, of course, sing-alongs and general audience participation are the hallmarks of cabaret. Uh, not everyone likes to do this. Some people object to the use of foul language. However, if you do feel sufficiently moved to join in, I would ask you to please use a northern accent. <laughs> Simply because some words just sound more true that way. And this is one of them. Are you ready? Those bastards come. See what I mean? Those bastards go. They call out, oh God, when they come. They call out, taxi. When they go, they ring my bell. We'll come back to it. <laughs> I do, I do my face. Why do I buy new stockings? For that one brief glance of theirs. So lusty, yet so mocking. I max out my card. I go to such pains to dress myself up just to be undressed again. Why do I bust a gut for such a fleeting tableau? Those men may come, but then they I've got one or two. I'm happy with that. I hide the life I lead by day. I 
they're asking if you can unplug it's taken me so many years and I still forget every time as hard nose to his cost right yes <laughs> yes right indeed whoa now this one's having problems that can't be yeah <laughs> one two yeah that's working okay working okay well I don't know is that working okay now yeah that's working okay don't touch it don't touch it, pull out on time. I'm getting a lot of good information tonight. Uh, right, <clears throat> okay. So, um, our next performer uh, is gonna be something a little bit different um, from what you've just seen. Uh, he's got a, a book of poetry called Science, Love and Revolution that you can get from Amazon. Uh, his next show is called Pornography and Heartbreak and that's gonna be at the Ballam Fringe uh, at 9.30 on the 22nd of June. You can find him at www.davidword.com. Put your hands together for David Lee Morgan! Hi, everybody. Great to be here in this refuge from the World Cup. 
Uh, I don't have time to do it, but uh, I'm tempted, but, but I don't have time. So just Google it. I'm sure you can find it. Tom Lehrer's song, Oedipus Rex. You guys heard it? <laughs> Classic. <laughs> okay, so I spent about 10 years of my life locked in my room writing communist Broadway musicals <laughs> that somehow never made it to Broadway. Um, and so, sadly, you guys are going to be the victims of one of them. Uh, I'm going to do three songs from a, a, a play I wrote called Medea Chang Ching, which is kind of a retelling of the myth of Medea as a custody battle for their uh, child and sort of for the future of the human race, which way it would go. A certain amount of anthropological, anthropological research went into that because, in fact, there were kind of, Medea and Jason did represent kind of two different trends in history. Medea was from a more pastoral, uh, female-centered society, probably, and uh, the myth comes from the, uh, the uh, uh, Dorian Greeks coming in off the plains and uh, overwhelming a more matriarchal society, and you can see that battle in, the, in Greek mythology, and in particular in one version of this is the myth of Medea. So uh, I'm going to start out with Jason is going to tell kind of introduce this. Um, you should keep in mind that Jason, is, of all the Greek heroes, is probably the biggest prat. And, and, um, he really didn't do anything that he didn't accomplish by the fact that his mother was, or his auntie, his mother was Aphrodite. She made Medea fall in love, helplessly in love with him, and everything that he accomplished was through her magic. Jason. Way back long ago in the jungle, I met Medea in a golden temple. Cupid shot her with a fatal arrow, made her my slave, pure and simple. Sure, I let her help me get the golden fleece. Hey, she begged me, pretty please, did you know? She betrayed her father, did you know? She killed her brother. You think I want that for my son's mother? Hey, I'm going to take him, and we got the makings of a bourgeois drama. Uh-huh, <laughs> it's a bourgeois drama. We got blood, we got trauma, we got the makings of a death-o-rama, but it's psychological, so psychological. Back in the jungle, everybody's equal, everybody's hungry, dirty, and poor. Or would you want to see your very own son work hard, die young, and be the victim of his enemies? Sure. Well, so noble savagery, but I'm a man, and I see what I see, and it's a world where the strong are free. I got the power, the technology, I'm on top of exactly where I want to be. When you're hungry and you find some meat, but you find it standing up on two feet, hey. You be a winner or somebody's dinner in a bourgeois drama. Uh-huh, it's a bourgeois drama. We got blood, we got trauma, we got the makings of a death-o-rama, but it's psychological, so psychological, nobody wins. Everybody loses, nobody learns, everybody bruises. Gonna be grim, you can take it from me. It's gonna be murder in the first degree. It's a goddamn genuine Greek tragedy. wap a doo wap a doo wap a This is really hard for me. I'm someone that tends to lean on the mic and not being able to touch it is... Uh, uh, yeah, okay, so I should warn you, I'm singing these two. I'm not a singer, so when spoken word artists sing, it can be, the results can be tragic sometimes. Uh, so the second song, in this part of the point in the play, Jason has kidnapped their son uh, and uh, is beginning to indoctrinate him into the ways of, of uh, slavery, uh, being a slave owner and a king and, and a bastard. And uh, in this, uh, uh, at this point in time, Medea uh, 
does an incantation calling on the forces of nature to give her the power to be able to rescue her son. Baby, can you hear me? Baby, can you see me? I can see you. Fresh in the miracle of birth, your eyes were the universe. The magic of life is in a single bond, mother and child. Mother and child, I'll touch your face. I'll reach through time and space. The fabric is woven with a single thread, mother and child. Mother and child, mother of the night inside us, show us the dark, the strange, the unborn, the weak that will be strong. Mother of the light that blinds us, give us wings. Open up the skies, wind. Listen to me, hear these words, carry them to the trees, shake the branches, rattle the leaves, roar down the mountains, whistle and wail through crack and crevice, sail across the ocean, pound and hail with surf and rain, sweep the plain, sweep the desert, touch every animal, bird, fish and reptile, feather and scale, leather and fur, bugs, spiders, snakes, toads, bushes, lichen, mosses, trees, vines, weeds, earth, claw, wind and bone, thunder, lightning, tiger, stone, all things powerful, all things bold, young and old, all things free and all things wild, bring back my child! Finally, uh, Medea has lost, and uh, I am touching it, and it isn't dying. So one little bit of non-tragedy here tonight. The mic is still working. Medea has won. Medea has lost. Jason has Billy. Jason now has Medea in her power, his power as well. Her son will grow up to be a slave owner, a monster. And rather than let that happen to him, she kills him. And this is the lullaby she sings just before she does this. Close your eyes, my little man. Let me love you for a while. Close your eyes till it's time to rise and shine. I promise, cross my heart, the earth can break, hurricanes can blow. I love you more than you can know. I'll never let you go. If I held you for a thousand years, would that be long enough? No, no, no. If I were kept from you, bound with a million chains, would they be strong enough? No, 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 how could it be possible to keep us two apart? I would cut through stone for you. I would cut through my heart. 
So close your eyes, sleep for a thousand years. Would that be long enough? No, no. We're going to have our, our next uh, Stasim on uh, in a moment. Um, you can find the human law at Edinburgh as well, so you should definitely uh, check him out there. Uh, he's also on Facebook, and he's, uh, you, can find him, uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at Destroyed. Um, so, don't forget to design your tragic masks, because it would really be tragic if I'd have like, spent time printing them out and designing them, and then nobody even touched them. Uh, and uh, check out the fanzines, have a think about that sort of thing, buying that. And uh, we'll have some music, I think another 10 minutes. Uh, we'll crack on after that with our prompt and uh, decisive Greek tragic life we're having. Brilliant, thank you. Share the tragedy, connect with the tragedy. We're at Stand Up for Tragedy on Twitter. And we're over on Facebook where you can make friends with some tragedy or like some tragedy by having a search for stand-up tragedy. Next week, we bring you Act 3 of Greek Tragedy. So listen out for that. As I said at the beginning of the show, we've got a crowdfunding campaign which you can find at bit.ly forward slash tragic fringe. That's to help us take the tragedy up to Edinburgh. We've got some really great perks over there, so have a look and see what you can get in exchange for helping us. And our next live show is on the 9th of July. It's Tragic Misadventures, and you can buy tickets through our crowdfunder at bit.ly forward slash tragic fringe for just £5. The podcast was recorded live by Stephen Harvey. It was produced by me, with music from Sam Wilkinson and George Crofton. It's time to And go. now, the tragedy is over.